Welcome, welcome to Parkview. Good to have you here. Um, the first step in uh, getting rid of your baggage is admitting it's not just a flesh wound. From the greatest movie ever, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, The Black Knight, gets his arm cut off, and he says, it's just a flesh wound. It's not just a flesh wound, okay? So I got this shirt, keep calm, it's just a flesh wound. No, it's not a flesh wound. You've got problems. Well, before I get into that, all right? Before I get into that, let me just say something um, to the New Lenox campus and to all of us uh, at, at Parkview. We're one church with three campuses. Uh, in two weeks, we're going to start a Saturday night service at New Lenox. Let's hear it for them, all right? That's our fourth. Um, uh, that's our fourth service over there. Uh, we may go back to just two on, on uh, Sunday morning when it comes time to summertime, but we really wanted to start this Saturday night service, give people a different option, and uh, congratulations to you guys. We're excited about it. Uh, jump in and volunteer. Jump in and volunteer wherever you are. If you're watching on, uh, online, um, you know, clean up your room. Do, I don't know. Uh, jump in and, and do something and help us, okay? Uh, here we go. We, uh, first of all, if we're gonna, if we're gonna figure out how to deal with this baggage, to walk free, to start walking free, I have to admit that I am powerless, all right? I am powerless. I got to get the baggage is in my way, all right? I, I, I got to admit that I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing, and my life has become unmanageable. That, that's the first place that we start. How many of you would say today, I've got some baggage? Go ahead and raise your hand. I mean, it's everybody, right? We've all got this stuff, and it's just like that. It's in our way, and it's heavy, and we're carrying it around. How many of you would like to, today to say, God, I'd love for you to take this baggage off of me? Just raise your hand. I think all of us know that, and we can all relate to the kid who went into the grocery store one day and asked the grocer for some Tide, and the grocer said, well, what do you want the Tide for? And the, and the kid said, well, I want to give my cat a bath. And uh, the grocer said, well, you know, I think the tide might be a little bit strong for your cat. Why don't you try, you know, this or this or this? The kid goes, no, no, I want a box of Tide. So he gives the kid a box of Tide, you know, you got to give the customer what he wants. Uh, a couple days later, kid comes back. The grocer says, hey, how's your cat? Kid said, well, my cat died. The grocer said, I'm so sorry. I, I, I told you the tide was too strong for your cat. Boy said, I, I don't think it was the tide. I think it was the spin cycle that got him. <laughs> What are you, cat lovers? I mean, come on. That's... <laughs> if you're here today and you feel like the spin cycle got you, then welcome, okay? I mean, we've all got this baggage, the hurts, the habits, and the hang-ups that, that are in our life, okay? And here's how this is supposed to work. Paul says, everything is permissible, but I will not be mastered or controlled by anything, okay? I mean, obviously, there are some things that are never going to be good for you, but in general, what he's talking about are, is food and drink and all these things that people are being legalistic about. And he says, listen, I, I, everything is permissible, but I'm not going to be mastered. That's the difference. Permissible and mastered are two different things. If I have alcohol, if I have a glass of wine when I go out for dinner, is, is, that, is, that, is that bad? Do I have baggage, alcohol baggage? Am I not alcoholic? No, not necessarily. Depends on whether I'm mastered by it. Do I have baggage if I'm on social media? No, it depends on whether you're mastered by it. Do I have baggage if I like to work? No, it depends on whether you're mastered by it. All the things that God created to, to be enjoyed can be permissible, but when it gets out of control and becomes baggage is when we are mastered by it. So let me start today by giving you some signs that you might be having some problems with your baggage. 
all right? Um, Henry Cloud, great psychologist. Uh, Here's some stages, all right? Here's how it would go if you want to try to figure out, I wonder if I'm being mastered by anything. The first thing is that your responsibilities will start to suffer. Responsibilities, why? Because responsibility and self-control go together. So all of a sudden, I'm not getting all the stuff done, you know, the work, whatever, it's just not, it's not going well. Number two, my relationships will start to suffer. My relationships. Telltale signs is when your relationships start to break down. There's an old saying in Oklahoma where I come from, somebody calls you a horse's rear, ignore it. If three people call you a horse's rear, buy a saddle. Okay, I cleaned that up for you a little bit for the sermon, but but you understand what I'm saying. I mean, if somebody doesn't like you, it's one thing, but everybody around you is going, look, dude, you're kind of becoming a horse's rear. It's time to admit and own up to this. Stage three is I start to adapt. I start to adapt to my addiction. I make more room for it financially. I make more room for it in time and energy and space. That's a sign that I'm starting to be mastered by something. And this baggage is just fascinating to me because as we've been talking about this series, Suitcases weren't really invented until the late 19th century. I mean, you've seen pictures, maybe you've got some of these trunks laying around your house from the early days when people would get on ships and, you know, or the, or the guys would ship off overseas and they'd, they'd put all their stuff in a, in a trunk and they would take it somewhere and that's how it started. But the first suitcases were literally cases for suits, believe it or not, right? Remember when people used to wear those? There were cases for suits that you would take when you would go on a boat or you would go early on on the airport planes, you would take these suitcases. And, and I thought, well, how come, we've, how come it took us so long to evolve to this? How come it took us so long? And then I, I did some reading up on it, and, and the truth is, back in the early days of aviation even, uh, you didn't ever carry your own bags. There was always a porter. There was always, you know, somebody to take care of them and take care of them for you, and you didn't have as much junk to take with you. Do any men here feel my pain when we travel? Do you, do you guys remember that it used to be a 75-pound weight limit? And thank God somebody came up with a new 50-pound weight limit. Why do I know all those things? Because I have three daughters and a wife. The only way my wife hits the 50-pound weight limit now is if she puts some stuff in my suitcase so that I check my bag. I can't carry on anymore because there's no way she's going to make 50. Thankfully, in 1987, they gave the first patent to some brainiac who finally decided, let's put wheels on our luggage and put a handle on it. Why did it take hundreds of years to do that? Well, because first of all, you never had to carry it, and second of all, we now have more junk to carry. So what have we done, literally, when it comes to our baggage? We have adapted. Oh, it's no big deal. I can put a little bit more in there. I'll just put some wheels on it and a handle so it's easier to carry around. You see, we've become mastered. The next sign that you're building um, towards a problem is tolerance. Uh, Tolerance means what it used to take for me to have that feeling, you know, obvious with alcohol or drugs or whatever. What it used to be for me to have that feeling, you know, three beers is now seven beers. Uh, That This experience has now got to be that experience. And you begin to have a little withdrawal when you don't have it. And that's when you know you're headed very quickly from tolerance into addiction full-fledged addiction. 
You've told yourself you need to stop, you need to cut back, and you've lost your freedom. This is the point at which you have become mastered. And then, after that, the next sign that it's getting worse is you start taking more and more risks. You know, just making it more dangerous for you and for the people around you until you finally get to the point where you start hiding. You have to start hiding what's going on. Adam in the garden, when he was first confronted by God, said, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Have you done that? I mean, let's, let's, just, let's just talk about this. You ever sneak off to the bathroom in a restaurant so you could purge yourself? Pop breath mints in the office to hide the alcohol on your breath after lunch? Go to a dark corner of your house to get on a website in the middle of the night that you know you're not supposed to be on? Get your friends to lie for you. Make sure receipts are never found. Are you still secretly watching Hallmark Christmas movies in February? (laughs) And you're a dude, okay? (laughs) That's when you know, okay, when you get to this point. So what do we do? We admit, we submit, and we commit. This is how we do it. First of all, we admit it's not just a flesh wound. My arm is cut off. Okay, I've got problems. I make my own lunch and I need to deal with it. Step two, I submit to to a power larger than myself because I can't do this on my own. I get to the point where I say I need your help, somebody. And freedom is choosing who controls you because somebody is going to control you. So freedom is choosing who that is. Who's going to control you along the way? And then I get to the commit stage Because I think Rick Warren said this best. A Christian life is a decision followed by a process. It's a decision followed by a process. So so if you're going to get rid of this baggage, it's not just admit you've got a problem and not just submit to your higher power to God. It's also committing to a process. And this is what takes us to where we are today because part of the process has to do with relationships. I think this is probably one of the biggest reasons for our baggage, and I think this is one of the biggest, this biggest problems when it comes to dealing with our baggage is this. Ephesians 4, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Forgiveness. It's hard to give. It's hard to accept. This is the process, and this is a part of the commit process that I think holds a lot of people up. Because when somebody does something wrong, I, I want them to be wronged back. One of my favorite videos, when I started thinking about this, one of my favorite videos from back in the before HD days of people taking videos with their phones, the perfect revenge video. Can we all just applaud? I mean, we want to... That jerk had it coming to him, right? And every movie that we see, you know, I mean, there's always, almost always a plot of somebody did something bad to somebody and then we're all anxious to see what happens to that person to get them back because that is human nature. So there's two parts to this relationship part of letting go of our baggage. The first one's pretty simple. I must forgive those who have hurt me. Another place in the New Testament, as a matter of fact, I was thinking about this, I think just about every New Testament book written Peter, Paul, John, whoever it was, any of the New Testament books, it seems like they have this passage in there where it says that you've got to forgive. 
Here it is in Ephesians. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Now listen to Colossians' version. You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Did any word jump out of that for you? Okay, This is the one that I think stands out for me. The word here means must. It doesn't mean ought to. It doesn't mean I should. It doesn't mean if you get around to it or if you really want to feel better. I must forgive. I must make allowance for the fact that other people aren't perfect. So why? Why, why is that important? Well, first of all, because God has forgiven me. Paul said that in both of these passages. And if God has forgiven me, I should forgive other people. That's simple. Romans 2, Paul says, don't you realize how tolerant and patient God has been with you? Can't you see how kind he has been in giving you time to turn from your sin? That's what God does for me. And when I remember how much God forgives me, it makes it a lot easier to forgive other people. Listen, you will never have to forgive anybody else more than God has already forgiven you. I will never have to forgive anybody else more than God has forgiven me. How does that happen? Well, sometimes it's the fact that we haven't stopped and thought about who we are and what we've done. They call that in AA taking personal moral inventory. Personal moral inventory. You just sit down and you go, okay, what, what is wrong with me? Let's talk about me. What do I feel guilty about having done to somebody else? What do I regret? What am I remorseful over? What, what are the faults in my life that I need changing? And then you ask God to help you out. And when you start with that moral inventory of yourself, it, it's a lot harder for you to start judging other people. Because when I'm reminded of how much I've been forgiven, it's easier for me to forgive other people. Again, I will never have to forgive somebody more than what God has forgiven me. And you say, oh, no, you don't, you don't have any idea, Tim. They owe me. They owe me. You, you don't understand. I didn't do that to God. They hurt me. The kids at school, my brother, he owes me. That old boyfriend, he owes me. My, my ex-wife, she owes me. If I let them off the hook, it just wouldn't be fair. They need to pay. That's why Carrie Underwood broke out so strongly with maybe he'll think next time he cheats, right? I mean, Jesus takes a wheel. That, that was her first song, and that was just weird. Nobody knew what to do with that, right? And then, but then next time he cheats, right? I dug my key into the side. His Pretty little souped-up four-wheel drive. I carved my name into his leather seats. Come on, you now you know it. I took a Louisville slugger to both headlights. I slashed a hole in all four tires. Maybe next time he'll think before he cheats. If I asked you to sing Amazing Grace, you would not have been able to do it that well. That's sad. And here's the real picture of somebody who actually did that. Yeah. Uh, oh, she was not happy. There's just something inside of us that gets so easily deceived into thinking that if I let them off the hook, somehow the balance of the world is not going to come together. And that's a lie. In 2 Corinthians, Paul is talking about somebody that needs forgiveness, and he says this. He says, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake in order that, this is what's so important, in order that 
Satan might not outwit us. Why do I forgive? So that Satan, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. What schemes? The schemes are, if, if you stick a pickaxe in the car, if you slash his tires, if you, if you hit the car and the airbag goes off, that somehow that's going to make everything better. And that's a lie from Satan. Because that's not true. And it takes me to the second reason why I need to forgive. Because I'm only hurting myself. I'm only hurting myself. It's like tailgating. I, I do this, you do this. Sometimes I do this to you, sometimes you do this to me. You know, you, you tailgate somebody, right? I mean, I just had this happen recently. I pulled into a lane, uh, you know, and, and somebody else pulled into that lane evidently about the same time I did, and they thought they were there in front of me, you know, even though they were behind me. So, so they were just like right in my tail. And I, I, I didn't look at him very closely because I know it was one of you. <laughs> you would have been so embarrassed. So I just kind of acted like I didn't notice what was going on. But what's so dumb about tailgating is what happens, right? If there's an accident, if you get so close to that person, something happens, they put on their brakes, and you hit them, you are at fault, not them. You are going to pay, not them. It's going to cost you, not them. That's exactly the problem with this whole idea of revenge. The Bible says you tear yourself to pieces in your anger. Somebody may have hurt you 10 years ago, 30 years ago, and you're still resentful about it. And they have no idea what you're talking about. They've forgotten it. They may be dead, and you're still angry. Resentment cannot change the past. It cannot correct the problem. It doesn't change the person. It doesn't hurt the person. It only hurts you. It doesn't make you feel better. I've never ever had anybody, I've never walked up to anybody and said, hey, how you doing? And had them say, well, I'm resentful today. I'm feeling really, really good. How are you? As a matter of fact, Dr. S.I. McMillan wrote a book about the things that uh, mess us up physically that are emotionally caused. It's a, it's a book about the causes of physical problems in your life by guilt and resentment. He said those are the two big issues, guilt and resentment. And here's what he said. This is so important. Maybe the most important thing you hear. It's not so much what you eat, it's what eats you that matters. Is you're only hurting yourself. Why should I forgive those who hurt me? Because I'm going to need forgiveness in the future. I'm going to need forgiveness again. I needed forgiveness. God forgave me. It's only hurting me, and I'm going to need forgiveness again. Jesus said, when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Remember this dangerous prayer we were all taught growing up, right? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, as we forgive our debtors. You get to that point, you're, you're just like thinking about, is it trespasses or debtors? I'm not sure which way we're going here. And you kind of forget the principle. Lord, forgive me as I forgive other people. Do you really want that? Well, let's talk about how. How do I forgive those people who have hurt me? First of all, I want you to understand forgiveness is not forgetting, okay? You know, let's say forgive and forget. No, no you're never going to do that. It's not going to happen. You're never going to forget. 
There's going to be daily reminders. Things are going to come back. It's going to be a constant process of forgiveness for the rest of your life. And this is not about minimizing their behavior. It's not excusing their behavior. It's not making it seem like their behavior is okay. It's not about forgetting. And forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a choice. We talked about this last week. You fake it till you make it if you have to. You, you make a decision to do it, and maybe the feelings will come. Maybe they won't, but you've got to make a decision, not based on them, but based on you. It's a, it's a decision that you made already when you admitted, and then you submitted to the power of God. God asks you to forgive. And he doesn't do it for their sake. He does it for your sake. So he asks you to forgive, and he's going to help you. So how do we do this? Well, the first thing I've got to do is go back to the beginning and admit. I got to admit I'm hurt. I got to admit it's not just a flesh. You, you didn't just wing me. You cut my arm off. I've got to forget. I, I've got to admit this, okay? There, there's going to be a lot of admitting going around this stuff, doesn't there? And you say, oh, it's no big deal. It's just a little thing. No, you've got to do that first. They say in AA, there's no closure without disclosure. Whether you did it to somebody, whether you've done it to yourself, whether somebody did it to you, disclosure is super important. Number two, I release. I release the offender. Release, that's an important word. That, that's, that's different than just forgive because that seems like that's something that, you know, I'm just going to do this one time. But release means I'm going to let them off the hook for what they did to me. I'm not gonna carve my name in their leather seats. I'm not gonna stick a pickaxe in their car. I'm not gonna whack their car and make the airbag go off. I'm not going to be mad at them for the rest of my life. I'm going to release them. And here's what's important about this. You're never gonna get rid of this baggage if we can't get to this point. It doesn't matter whether they want it. It doesn't matter whether they want it, whether they ask for it or not. It doesn't even matter if they're alive. You release the offender and forgive them for your sake. Well, I know, I know, I know, I know. We're all like Peter when he went to Jesus and said, Jesus, I mean, evidently, we don't, we don't know the scenario. Probably there was something Peter was really couldn't wait to, to let somebody have it for. And he comes to Jesus and he says, how many times should I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Jesus said, you've heard seven times. That was like this formula that they had in their law. And Jesus said, not seven times. I'm telling you 70 times seven, which is code in their day for infinity. There's not ever going to be a place where, where, like, if they do it this one more time, then you have the right to do it. This is about a constant process. That's why we call it releasing the offender. It's got to be continual. And releasing the offender is not always possible, and sometimes it's not even advisable. Their circumstances may have changed. All right? That's why we have the empty chair technique. A lot of counselors will use an empty chair technique or write a letter or write an email that you never send. And you sit there and you say, look, I'm releasing you. I'm releasing you. Maybe you got some people around you and you do this together. I'm releasing you. I'm forgiving you for what you've done to me. I admit you hurt me deeply. I'm forgiving you. And then you don't send the letter. You don't send the email. You don't get involved in their life anymore because that part doesn't matter if that's appropriate. If it's appropriate, then you do go to them and you do do it. But it's about you. And you have the power. It's not about them. If they just asked me, I'd forgive them. No, no, no. It's not like that. You have the power. One of the shows I used to love growing up was the Andy Griffith Show. 
Okay, another, I gotta go back to my old people illustrations, okay, young people? Andy Griffith Show was this life about, you know, it was black and white, it was this life about Mayberry, this place where, you know, the biggest crime was, you know, Otis the Drunk, okay? And, and he, that was it, you know, and, and Barney and the sheriff, and you know, it wasn't much drama, but just this fun family show. And Otis the Drunk was just a perfect illustration of this, okay? Otis was in jail most of the time when you saw him. Why was that? Because he would get drunk, because he was an alcoholic. We didn't want, we wanted to laugh about it back then, but he was an alcoholic. And what would happen was every time Otis would get wasted, he would just walk himself over to the jail cell, over to the sheriff's office, and he would just walk in and lay down in the, in the cell, and he would close the door behind him. And they'd all say, hey, Otis, how you doing? And he'd just be slurring and, you know, wasting his life away. And he'd lay down in his bed. And they would always hang the keys right next to the jail cell. All Otis ever had to do, he wasn't really in jail except for the jail that he put himself in. All Otis had to do was reach up and get the keys and unlock it and let himself out whenever he wanted to. That's the perfect picture of your relationship baggage. You've got the keys. They don't have the keys. You have the keys. Now, the second part of this, I forgive those who have offended me and hurt me, and the second part is I must make amends to those that I've hurt. I can see from some head nods that um, I kind of know who's been in AA or in Celebrate Recovery as I start to do this because you're like, oh yeah, he's just going right down there. Yeah, I am. This pro- the program works. This is, this is how the whole thing, this is how so many of you, so many people in our world have been helped by committing to a process and a part of the process is about our relationships and a part of the, our relationships is forgiving other people and the second part of it is making amends to the people that I've hurt because you've hurt some people. I've hurt some people. You say, well, I can't really think of anybody, Tim. I can't think of anybody I've hurt. L- let me help you, okay? Let me, let me just give you a little, uh, you know, a little bit of a memory crutch here. Is there anybody that you haven't paid a debt back to? Anybody that you've stolen from? Anybody that you've broken a promise to? Anybody that you've made fun of? Anybody that you're guilty of over-controlling in your life? Anybody that you've been harsh with? a wife, a husband, a sister, a child, a parent, an employee, a friend, anybody you've been overcritical of, anybody you've been verbally abusive to, physically abusive, obviously, emotionally abusive, anybody that you've been unfaithful to, anybody that you've taken for granted, anybody that you've lied to. If you want to get rid of this emotional baggage, it means going to them and making amends and saying, you know what, I'm sorry. You're probably carrying some baggage, and I'm carrying some baggage because of what I did to you, and I'm sorry. It's as simple as that. For me, I can think of two groups of people, cub fans and cat owners. (laughs) So cub fans, I I just want to say I apologize for making fun of you for 108 years, okay? (laughs) Congratulations on your win. We're all happy for you. We all apologize, okay? Cat people, I'm going to have to get closer to Jesus, okay? (laughs) 
See how easy that was? Now, now there's a qualifier in all this. There's a qualifier in all this that except when it would do harm to them. Don't make amends to them if it would do harm to them. There are some situations, it's an ex, boyfriend, spouse, whatever, and they're in a new relationship. Stay out of that. Don't make amends. Don't go on Facebook and say, hey, I'm really sorry for the way I treated you. Don't do any of that stuff. You don't, you don't want to mess their life back up again. Maybe it's the empty chair, maybe it's write a letter, whatever. But in situations where you can, I think it's great to be able to sit down with somebody or at the very least send them an email or a letter or something and say, you know what, I was just thinking about that time when, I was just thinking about how I treated you when, and I'm sorry. Because the Bible says, this is one of our theme scriptures around here, I promise you if, we could, if the world could grab one verse out of the Bible, all the problems would go away. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And the reason this is so important is because I think that the basis for so much of our baggage is relational. And the second commandment is about our relationships. So that's why it's important. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, the Bible said. And interesting, that word rule that word rule right there, that literally the word for umpire, okay, a referee, let the peace of Christ be the umpire in your life. I'm going to have the peace of Christ in my life, so that means I'm going to forgive, that means I'm going to make amends, that's what, I'm going to try to be that person as far as it's possible, as much as it depends on me, the rule of my life is the peace of Christ. Let him be the mediator. Let him do it. Got an email from a person in the middle of this. And um, it was a young person just telling me about how messed up their young life was already and how they were going to turn back to God and they were grateful for it. And they said, long story short, I'm interested in recovering. How exactly should I go about it? And then they finished up with, uh, don't respond if you don't feel like it. I'm sure your inbox is full of effed up people like me. One of the best emails I've ever gotten. Not that I'm fond of that word, but that is exactly who Jesus always wanted to hang around. Those of you and those of people that are like me who are messed up. Jesus' inbox was full of messed up people. And when the religious people said, dude, why are you hanging out with all of these prostitutes and tax collectors and sinners all the time? Jesus said, well, duh, I'm a doctor and I didn't come for well people, I came for sick people. So here's what I need you to hear as we talk about all this. I don't have this figured out. There's not a soul in this church that has this figured out. I have people I still need to forgive. I have people I still need to make amends to. I still have baggage in my life, but I'm trying to get to the point where it's just a carry on. That's my goal in everything in life at this point, is that it's just a carry-on. It's just something I can stick up in the bin for now, and maybe someday it'll be a backpack, and hopefully by the time I die, I've just got a, a tiny little satchel of things that, that's, that are still there because I'm living my life with the peace of God, completely ruling in my life. So I just want you to know that you're not too messed up for me, and you're not too messed up for Parkview, and you're not too messed up for God. And I got to remind you that he is the one that's doing this. God who began a good work in you, Paul said, 
will keep right on helping you to grow in his grace until his task is finally completed. That's what he promises us. That's why I know I can go from four bags to three, down to one, down to something I can carry on, down to something that gets smaller and smaller and smaller as I go. It's not because I'm getting smarter and I'm getting better. It's because he's finishing the work in me. And I found the scripture in the Old Testament. I just think it's so beautiful. Listen to this. This is literally God through a prophet Isaiah. I have seen what they do. Okay, you can try to hide, but you can't hide from God. I've seen what they do, but I will heal them anyway. Because they're my children. I love them. I will lead them. I will comfort those who mourn. Listen, I know some people have done some bad things to some of you. I get that. I will comfort those who mourn, bringing words of praise to their lips. May they have abundant peace, both near and far, says the Lord who heals them. Let's pray together. Lord, I just want to pray for us because this is a tough one. I mean, this, this, this whole series, this is tough stuff as we think about what it, what it means to let go of this baggage. I mean, if it was easy, nobody would have any, right? That's what we understand. So I just want to pray for us as we forgive those people who have hurt us because we know you've forgiven us, and sometimes we forget that. And, and, and Lord, we know we're only hurting ourselves when we don't, and we know we're going to screw up again and we're going to need your forgiveness because we're just a bunch of messed up people who keep writing into your inbox. We know this, so we're going to forgive because we know that's the right thing. And then, Lord, for those of us who need to think about some people that we need to go make amends to, and ask forgiveness from, whether that physically happens, whether that literally happens, or it just does in our hearts. Maybe they're gone, doesn't matter. In our hearts, we're gonna, we're gonna make amends as far as it is possible, as much as it depends on me, we're gonna live at peace. Be with us as we process that right now and as we worship. It's in your name we pray, amen.